All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Friday, February 16th of 2024 here. Uh, it is one of the saddest times of the year with the NBA All-Star break happening. I think the only thing worse than the NBA All-Star break is the MLB All-Star break, just because there's literally nothing to play when MLB all-star break is going on, but just looking ahead today, uh, we do have trucks for NASCAR starting today, followed by Xfinity on Saturday, followed by the cup series and Daytona on Sunday, which is always a lot of fun. And then we have one single NHL showdown today. I think hockey is, uh, I'm surprised not to see a bigger hockey slate here. I think it was a missed opportunity on the hockey schedule, but that's what we got going on today. Uh, we do have the cut sweat going on in the PGA streets. Or the Genesis Invitational. I know the cut is only like, uh, you know, 50 out of 70 golfers will make it through. So not like a huge sweat, but pretty interesting with like some big names uh, kind of lower on the leaderboard. I saw Rory was kind of down there. I saw JT was down there to start the day. So I hope you guys are enjoying some DFS action today. For those of you who are new here, welcome. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the coaches over here at SaberSim. This is a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS related questions. You get your questions in one of three ways here. First off, send us an email, support at sabersim.com. Second, post it live in the YouTube chat. Third way, post it in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server. If you're not in our Discord and want to get access to that channel, there is a link in the description of this video. You'll also get access to our similar channels, individual sport channels, and you also get access to the rest of the Sabersim team. So can't say enough good things about the Discord. But with that said, I'm going to get the app pulled up here. Um, we have a, quite a bit of questions that came in today. You know, there was a lot of discussion going on in the Office Hours channel, so I was trying to catch up with that prior to today's show. So looks like our first question that we have to answer here is uh, is from Raph LP. Uh, hopefully I didn't say that wrong. But the question was, is there a way for me to input my own lineups and not have them affected by the lineups I have for contests where I am trying to use mass sims uh, to mass use sim lineups so that they don't overwrite my original ones? Sorry if that question was long-winded and doesn't make much sense. Uh, no, no, definitely does. So there's really two ways to input your own lineups, okay? So the first one is uh, let's just run a build for this NHL showdown contest what we'll be working with today. So I'm just going to build uh, 200 lineups here. Nothing crazy. So, so way number one is to build the lineups in DraftKings or whatever fantasy site you're playing and then go to the contest tab, download those lineups. And then if you have a lineup file, which, which I don't have one here, uh, maybe I can just build one. You know, we have a little bit of time today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you guys how to take a lineup from a contest that you hand built and then import it into SaberSim basically to do whatever you want with it. So if I go to NHL, oh, there's a big 13-game hockey slate tomorrow. That's what's going on. But we got the one single showdown today. So I'm just going to put something together real quick here. All righty, let's just go down. Boom, boom. Get some players in here. Looks like a terrible lineup, but that'll do. All right, so I got a lineup here, so I'm going to come into the contest tab. So say I hand-built a lineup, I want to bring it into Sabersim. How do I do that? So if I go download template file, I'm going to get this download. Now, if I drag it in here, 
I'm going to see the lineup here. This is the lineup that I hand built. However, how exactly do I get it into a build? So what you have to do here is go to open up a new build workspace. Take that lineup file that you downloaded. This is way number one, by the way. So if I open the file, I'm going to see, hey, you know, my lineup is right here. Well, what I need to do is I need to move some columns around a little bit because I need that captain column to be in column A. So I just need to delete all these ones that have this contest information. It, delete on those. Okay, great. Everything's looking good. I don't even need all this other stuff from H. So just delete that as well. Oops. Delete. Delete. Okay, good. Now I'm, I'm literally only left with the lineup. And then I could just save that. And then now I could right click on build two here and use this upload pool option. And then just grab that file that I just had. And then it's going to bring the lineup into SaberSim. So now I have my one lineup here. The great thing about it is that now I can use the favorites icon. I could send it to the favorites and have it as part of a bigger set or something like that, where maybe I'm building 20 lineups and I want to hand build one. I hand build it. I bring it into SaberSim. I move it to the favorites. And then in this other build, so, so I'm going to move it to the favorites here, right? Now my favorites icon is on. You can see the green star gets activated. Then I'm going to go into the build that I ran. Instead of 20 lineups, I'm going to do 19. Now I'm going to favorite those when I'm ready for it. And then I go to the favorites tab. And voila, I have 20 lineups that I could put into my 20 max. So that is one way to do it. Way number two is you go into your 20 lineups here. And then what I would do is honestly, when you're like ready, just go to the last lineup, which is going to be the lowest ranked lineup based on whatever sorting metric you're using. And then go to the pencil icon and then just get rid of these players, right? So I can X out all of these players and then I can go and put whoever I want, right? So then, you know, I just go pick my captain. I go and I pick all of my flex players. And then once it's filled out, I hit save. And then boom, this lineup gets locked and it will always be a part of your set. And one thing is that the, the metrics here on the bottom gray out, that's just because we've changed those. So uh, you can ignore the metrics, but it, it'll get locked and then it'll be a part of your set. And the builder will prioritize that lineup that you have edited. So those are the two ways to take a hand-built lineup and put it into SaberSim either with the entries file or either just rebuilding it by hand within SaberSim. So both uh, one of those two ways should serve the purpose that you're looking for here. All right, next question from Henry. If there is a player I want to fade, like say Jemison last night, uh, who I targeted at about 40%, is it better to let the builder work and add exposure caps after the fact? or cap him and build less lineups with him. He naturally, I think, was in over 80% of the pool without a cap. Good question. So I would just do it before the pool. And the reason kind of exactly why you said, you know, you might just end up with so few lineups without him. And then, you know, if you like run your contest sim or you're sorting by Saber score, you know, he's probably going to grade out really well. So then you might end up playing uh, worse lineups that don't have him. So the best thing that you could do is kind of give yourself as many lineups as possible without him so the builder can find lineups from those without him that grade out well to include in your lineup. So if you know, like, hey, I, I am not going to play this guy more than 40% no matter what, then I would just 
set that as a pre-build max exposure so you get 60% of your pool without that player. So uh, I would definitely go that route. All right. Uh, quick one here from Red Yoda. Just mention it in case anybody else uh, is asking. So Red Yoda asks, are there any projections for COD? I'm not able to build any lineups. So we don't have simulations for COD, which means that we don't have projections for COD. We do have the slates up in the app. So if you guys want to use our optimizer, you can. You would just have to provide your own projections here. So slates are available. We do not have projections at this moment. It is something that we do want to support in the future here, but just something that we have not been able to prioritize. All right. Question from Bill's Nut. And the question says, so there was a conversation yesterday in the NBA chat about whether it is more profitable long-term to go slightly up in buy-in stakes from dimes, quarters, and mini-max because the winning scores tend to be higher at lower stakes and there are many more entrants making it harder to win. Following the profit plan, it is recommended to stay at these lower buy-ins, but might it lead to higher ROI to go to higher buy-ins with fewer entrants instead? Okay, so I did miss this conversation, so I didn't catch it. Thank you for giving me the TLDR of it. Um, my opinion, and honestly, guys, like, you know, I, 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 uh, I had a three-way chop yesterday with, AZ350 and somebody else in the piggy bank, um, which is like 116,000 entries. And the lineup that we won with would have solo binked like the flagship on FanDuel. So like, I feel like I'm a, in a pretty good position to, to talk directly about this, considering that um, I experienced this firsthand yesterday. I'm going to say no. And, and the reason for that is because I think that a couple things, I think the payout structures are flatter at some of these other contests. And I think that, you know, the time that it could take you to, to realize that, that uh, equity is going to be, you know, you might like go broke before you do that. So al although that, yes, like, you know, the, you, you might be playing smaller contests, like instead of playing, you know, 116,000 entry, you're playing like a, you know, 15,000 entry contest, that doesn't mean that, you know, the contest is like softer per se. Like, remember that the best players have access to those contests, like the Uticals, the Petty Thefts, the Giant Squids, the, uh, you know, the, the Whistles Go Woo, like, like all those pros are playing those big contests. And these are like guys with, you know, massive, massive bankrolls who are very, very good and have built those up over time. So you might like see lower scores winning, but like the question is, you know, can you max that out? Like, can you play that contest every single day of the season for the entire season? And for, for most of us, you know, the piggy bank is, you know, $7 and 50 cents to max. It's, it's a very affordable contest for a large number of lineups. It's a nickel per lineup. You know, can you pay $15 times 150, which is like, three grand every single day throughout the season trying to realize that edge. And like, I, I feel like, you know, most people can't, you know, most people's bankrolls aren't that big. You're going to need like a pretty big bankroll to be able to consistently max that out and handle the swings. So, you know, if, if you guys want to take like a shot at it, sure. You know, throw like one lineup in there, throw two, you know, maybe a couple, but um, you know, I, I would not prioritize 
playing like the flagship over one of those smaller contests where the pros aren't because you're getting more lineups in and you're playing against softer competition as opposed to playing less lineups against better competition just because the winning score is lower. I, I just, you know, if, if you can max out the flagship, you know, you're probably not that worried about your $7 and 50 cents, but like, I don't think the opposite is true where, Oh yeah, you know, I could max out the piggy bank, but I'd rather go max out, you know, the flagship. Like, I don't, I don't think the reverse works in that scenario. So, um, I'd say, you know, stick with what you guys are doing and, and, you know, play the best contest. It's, it's one of the most important things contest selection is. So, um, that's, that's my take on it, but, but good question. Happy to answer any, any follow-ups there. I actually, I have, I have one more comment on that. So, so really, you know, don't feel bad when you like win a contest that is a lower stakes where the winning lineup would have the, the lineup that you won with would have won you more money in like a bigger stakes contest because maybe you can only afford to play like five lineups in the flagship, but you can like max out this lower stakes one. Well, guess what? Like you must have a winning process if you're winning, right? So what you need to focus on is like, okay, I just need to stay on this path and I just need to keep doing what I'm doing. And then eventually I'm going to go from playing five lineups to playing 10 lineups, to playing 20 lineups, to playing 50 lineups, to playing a hundred lineups, to maxing out the contest. That just takes time, but that is all about being consistent and having a winning process. So don't feel bad that it didn't work out. Just understand that, hey, I am on the right path. And if I stay on this path, I am going to be maxing out this contest one day. So like that's more of the mindset approach that I would be coming at it with. At least that's how I try and live my life. All right. Question from Manuel. Question says, I've noticed that building lineups in golf showdown, the SIMROI seems to be on the low side. Is it my build setup that is causing this or is just lower for this type of contest? Uh, yeah, you'll see this, you know, you, you could even see this within a slate sometimes, you know, I've seen this. So, so we did this big back testing project a couple of year, a year or two ago, year and a half, something like that, where we saw that, you know, playing the $4 20 max was more profitable on average than playing one of the mini max contests, like the 50 cent or even like the dollar. And, you know, there wasn't like a really good way to see that until we came with contest flashback and you can actually see this, right? Like I remember in our behind the sim series, which you can see on our YouTube channel under podcasts. And then it's, uh, it's episodes one through five here, uh, contest selection where Eric was talking about this. He would say like, Hey, yeah, you know, the $4 20 max, you should prioritize that over one of the mini max contests. And the $4 20 max is $80 total. The mini max, the 50 cent, if you max it out is $75, you know, so one, it's less money and then two, you get more lineups. So it's kind of hard like to understand without really like having a good sense for it. But you can actually see this in the sim ROIs that you can achieve here. So if I go to my $4.20 max and then I go to uh, players here and I go to users, I'm just going to look at people who are maxing out the contest. So max entries equals 20. So the highest SIMROIs are in like the 90s, the 80s, the 70s. You see like these higher SIMROI lineups. Now, if I go back 
and go and look at one of the, ooh, actually, we might not have it here because they ran the micro millions uh, all week this week. So let's go back to last week. I'm going to February 7th just because they weren't running their micro millions. I bet you the micro millions were like probably very high sim ROI. But then if I go back to just the week before, go to one of the mini maxes here. Okay, the 10K mini max, 50 cent, 150 max. This is like the standard one that they run. And if I come and look at this, go to users, uh, people who entered 150, sim ROI. So the sim ROIs are a lot lower here, 45%, 30s, 20s, as opposed to those 90s, 80s, 70% sim ROIs that we were seeing. So not only can this happen like sport by sport, but this can also happen like from contest to contest. So like when Eric was saying like, hey, yeah, you know, you should prioritize the $4.20 max over one of the mini maxes. You know, it was kind of hard to like visualize that. But then now you can see it like, hey, you know, just the, the achievable sim ROIs are different. And this comes down to, you know, how many players does it take to max out this contest? What does the payout structure look like? How many unique entrants are there, et cetera, et cetera. So all those things, you know, can can have an effect and it could also be, you know, sport dependent. Hey, maybe golf showdown, maybe there's not that much edge. Um, I've looked at the sim ROIs for, for tennis. Like they aren't super high. There is some edge, but you know, it's not like NFL showdown or something like that, where you can see like these very, very high sim ROI, uh, portfolios of lineups that can be created. So be, be aware of those things on like a sport to sport basis, be aware of those things on like a contest to contest basis, and be okay with them and just be aware. All right. Next question from interrogator question says playing MMA for the first time was wondering about many uniques for this in builds and NBA. I usually do one less than the max. What's a good rule of thumb for MMA. Okay. So M MMA is going to be a lot closer to NFL showdown and you just got to think about it where, you know, you're probably going to need an optimal lineup to win. At least that's what you should be like shooting for in MMA unless a very, rare occurrence happened, but I'd say, you know, nine times out of 10, you probably need an optimal to win probably even higher than that percentage. Uh, so, so many uniques, just remember that, you know, once you set it above one, say you have five fighters, right. And you just needed like a one for one swap on another fighter. You're effectively blocking yourself from access to that lineup by using mini uniques because you're guaranteeing that two players must be different from every other lineup. So lineups can only share four players. So that's one of the downsides of using it in a sport where you're going to need an optimal. However, I think it's okay to use it at like two, maybe even three up uh, just because when I've done it myself here. So like, I'll give you guys an example. Let's just go do it. Uh, let's see if we have projections up yet. Okay, boom, projections are up. Cool. So let's just build 500 lineups. So one thing that I've, I've noticed when using mini uniques is like, yeah, you know, you can balk yourself, but two, uh, just because of the way we're simulating out the fights, you know, round by round and the way that we're randomly sampling the sims, you could typically use a mini unique of two or even three without going that far into your pool. So like, that's mostly what I'm concerned about is like, Hey, I'm fine with using mini uniques anywhere from one to three, 
but how far down in my pool do I have to go when I increase that setting? And we can see that here, right? So our 20 lineups just finished. When I'm at when I go from mini unique one to mini unique two. So it, so actually at mini unique two, I'm still looking at the top 20 lineups. So that means that from the sims that we ran, you know, there were actually two fighters different from every other fighter when we graded these out based on our MMA default saber score option here. So then when I go to three mini uniques, okay, we have to skip a couple, but we're still only at lineup 24. So from our top 20 lineups, we've skipped four of them and we're guaranteeing a mini uniques of three. So like, I'm totally fine with that. Now, when we go to four, okay, we're going a little further down now, right? At four, we're already at lineup 163. So, you know, this would be like a point where you would have to kind of make a decision. Like, hey, you know, I need 20 lineups. Am I comfortable playing the 163rd best just because I want a mini uniques of four? Or do I want to go mini uniques of three, still guaranteeing lots of diversity, but still playing, you know, 20 out of the top 24 lineups here. My preference is I would probably stay at three, but I think it's okay to go to four. And one of the reasons I say I would stay at three is because our top fighter is has a uh, 50% exposure. And then we have 45 and then two persons at 40% at mini uniques of three, but at mini uniques of four, we have one fighter at 40%. So like our top fighter goes from 50% owned to 40% owned. And it's really not that big of a change. So, you know, with the small exposure adjustment, I would just rather keep lineups that are higher ranked in my pool. But that's just my preference, right? You might look at that and decide, hey, no, I'm totally fine with four here. Just getting, you know, even more spread out. Like, hey, that's that's completely fine, man. Uh, whatever whatever way you want to go is is totally your choice. So I think it's okay to use it. Be aware of just the effect that it has on how far down you have to go. All right, and then another question here. Also for MMA, what is the best sorting method? ROI, risk-adjusted ROI, wins, dupes, cash, et cetera. Uh, so I would stick with risk-adjusted ROI here. Uh, that's going to be the best method across the board here. Um, one thing that that uh, Matt mentioned recently is that when you run a contest sim, you know, win rate does not account for dupes. ROI and risk-adjusted ROI are going to do that. So Win rate is just, hey, how many, how, what percentage of the time did this lineup come in first? It's not going to tell you, hey, you know, this lineup came in first, but was duped five times. That's what ROI is going to do because it's going to take the payout for first and then split it up amongst the lineups in the field that had the same lineup. So be aware of that. But I would stick with one of, with risk adjusted ROI in this case. All right. Next question here from Kenson. Do you have to run a new contest sim each time you run a late swap? Uh, yes, I would do that. And, you know, you're basically going to run your late swap and then come in here and then you're going to click your contest sim and then that's going to give you a fresh contest sim. The reason to do that is because you're taking advantage of the live simulations and the live data. So from the last time you ran a contest sim to this one, the games have continued to play out and we're taking in that box score information we're projecting the rest of the slate. If any games locked, we're taking into account that actual ownership that for the contest and projecting the rest of the ownership for the rest of the slate based on who's remaining. So that's why I would always run a new late swap. 
All right. Next question. How can I go about getting projections for college basketball? Do you recommend certain sources for these projections? I am almost positive that our partners over at run pure sports do college basketball projections. So I would check them out if you're looking for projections to see if they have them, but I think they do. So check, check out run pure. Okay. Next question here from hiker Willie. Any good sources to help determine when EV line players for line four players not on any power play unit may be playable or not? Thanks. Oh, that's like a really hard one. You know, um, I would say that just think about it like this. You know, the bigger the slate, the less weird you need to get with some of your options here. And then the smaller the slate, the more likely you should be willing to kind of include some of those players. So if you're playing a, you know, a two game hockey slate, a three game hockey slate, you're playing this showdown tonight, you know, probably be okay with, with some of those off the wall plays, especially if they're coming up in the sim through the play by play sim that we're running. But if, if it's a bigger slate, I think it's totally okay to exclude them and just play players from, you know, EV lines, one through three power play one or two. All right. Question from Derek. Will there be projections for the NBA all-star game showdown? No, we will not have projections for the all-star game. It's just such a weird format. Um, it's, it's super hard to have, you know, reasonable projections. And, and so we are not going to have projections for that. All right. Question from Ryan. Hey, Andrew, NHL showdown is perfect using Saber Sim. Scott has said that he just lets the model do the work for showdown. Do you think the field will not get enough second and third line players for tonight's showdown because they don't have something like Saber Sim? You know, if, if you're building with a traditional optimizer, you're typically trying to pack in as many projected points as possible. So I would agree that, you know, some of these lower lines, like the field might not get to as much kind of similar, uh, take as like MLB showdown where a lot of people are excluding relief pitchers uh, just because they don't know how often they pitch or how likely they are to be optimal or things like that. So I do think that, you know, you can get some edge by playing some of these guys that might not grade out as great on a point per dollar basis, but still have upside in the play by play sim. All right. Next question here. Not sure if you are familiar with the underdog fantasy daily NBA drafts, but drafts, but is there a good way to use Saberson to help with these? Also, are there any planned best ball tools in the future? Uh, so I would say for daily drafts, honestly, what I would do is just download the projections and just use them as like your ADP. So, you know, like these are like literally your projection rankings. Just come in here, sort by projection descending, and then use these as your draft rankings. Uh, you know, daily fantasy basketball rankings are going to be like probably pretty soft, uh, but just because, you know, it's not like best ball with like football and you have all this time for the market to move, uh, for ADPs to change. It's like literally today and today only. So I would just use the projections as your ranking for drafting. And then the other question was, are there any planned best ball tools in the future? So right now our focus is like primarily on DFS. Um, I think that, hold on, excuse me.
Sorry about that. Um, I think that if if we were to come up with with any tools, I would probably see us doing something in the sports betting realm, even probably before best ball, uh, just because we've dabbled there in the past. But but right now we are like specifically focused on DFS. That's where all of our attention is, and I don't see that changing in the immediate future. All right. Next question. How many mini leagues do you recommend for NASCAR specifically for Daytona this weekend? Uh, you know, I would take a really similar approach to how we figured that out for MMA. There isn't like a one size fits all like, Hey, you know, two is just like the magic number. It's just like perfect. Like, uh, you know, it, it might be three. Hey, it might be four. Hey, it might be two. Hey, it might be one. Part of that is, you know, what are your exposures and leverages look like? Part of that is how far down in your pool you're going. Part of that is what is your risk tolerance? How convicted are you on some plays? So all of those things really come into effect to figure out what is the right mini unique number for you. I've talked to great players who don't use it at all. I've talked to great players who do use it. So ultimately it is a tool at your disposal that you can use. So I would go through a very similar process that I did here with this MMA example. And if you miss it, just rewind a little bit, but where we were saying, okay, you know, what effect is changing and having, and am I okay with that effect? Or do I want to go further? Do I want to go backward or am I comfortable where I'm at? So ask yourself that question as you adjust it and you will land on the right number for yourself. All right. Jumping over to the YouTube chat. Uh, looks like I got this one from boxing Homer. Uh, same one that came in in discord. So glad we nailed that one question from David said, Hey, I'm new to Saberson. Welcome, man. Still learning the tool. How many uniques should you use when building 20 max or 150 max MBA? Okay, so so really similar take. Uh, just one thing I do want to mention, you know, your lineup to pool ratio comes into play a lot here. So if you need, you know, 150 lineups from 500, well, hey, you're working with like a three to one lineup ratio, a little bit bigger than that, but but not four, right? So you, for every one lineup you need, there are three additional lineups in your pool. Well, when you only need, you know, five lineups out of 500, well, then now the lineup to pool ratio is 100 to one. So you need, you know, one lineup out of 100 uh, in the pool. So in in the second case, you're going to be able to get to a higher number of uniques because that ratio is bigger. So the smaller the ratio, the less uniques you'll be able to get to. The bigger the ratio, the more uniques you'll be able to get to. But it, uh, so that's why the big difference between 20 max and 150 max, you know, if you're building those separately, it's going to be different. So, um, you know, follow, follow the same example here, increase your mini unique, see what the leverages look like, see what your exposures look like, see if you're comfortable with those values, adjust it further, adjust it less, keep it where it is based on that. But that is kind of how you're trying to evaluate. Hey, am I at the right number for myself? But all right, we are all caught up with questions in both the office hours channel and the YouTube chat. So appreciate you guys tuning in. I will be right back here tomorrow, Saturday, for our second Saturday show. In case you guys missed it, we did add a Saturday office hours prior to the Super Bowl, and that is going to be uh, a show that we will be keeping for the foreseeable future. So that show is at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturdays, a little bit earlier in the day. So until tomorrow, everybody, take care. Good luck. I'll see you all. Thanks. Bye.